It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, Bela, it's been a while. What's new in your world? Hey, well, first of all, we have a new supporter for the podcast, uh, Gene Martell. Uh, along with Jonathan, Robert, and Andrew, uh, they all make a monthly contribution to support the podcast. Thank you very much. You know, Gene reached out to me uh, via an email uh, several weeks ago. And he said he was, uh, first of all, he said he really enjoyed the podcast, which was very heartening to hear. And then he said he was interested in purchasing a sailboat. Uh, he has owned boats in the past, but they've been motorboats. And uh, he's been thinking about buying a sailboat. And in his email, he said, hey, he'd, he'd love to have a conversation and bounce a few ideas off of me, uh, things he was thinking about, and maybe give him a little advice. So uh, a few days later, we connected on the telephone, and we had a great conversation I uh, got to know him a little bit uh, and uh, the types of sailing he's uh, thinking about doing, the types of sailboats he was looking at. And uh, we had a really good, uh, probably an hour, hour and a half long conversation. And uh, Gene's in the process of uh, whittling his list of potential boats down uh, pr- to a pretty narrow scope right now. And uh, I know he sent me a follow-up email uh, about a week later and, and said he was going to look at a particular boat that he thought would fit him really well. And uh, hopefully uh, he'll be out on the water next spring. So I really enjoyed uh, speaking with him. And thanks again, Gene, for supporting the podcast. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, let me just say, you know, if there's other listeners that uh, uh, are thinking about buying a boat or would like to chit-chat about something, uh, feel free to reach out. And um, I'm happy to have those conversations. I, Bail, I agree. It's great to be growing the community of listeners. And, you know, it's something interesting that... Uh, somebody was asking me the other day about the, you know, isn't podcasting just like teaching, right? And it's really different in the sense that podcasting really feels one way, right? As we record these things and then people listen to them and there isn't in the, when I'm teaching, even when I'm teaching online, at least when I'm teaching a live course, there's this dialogue, there's this back and forth, there's an exchange. Um, and to me, that's the real value of building a community, right? Is exchanging ideas with people and learning from one another, which is cool. Um, there's so many benefits to interacting and engaging um, in a community, especially that's focused on a, a, an area of interest, right? Like in this case, sailing. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that people are reaching out uh, with questions and comments. And uh, Bela, exactly what you said, if people have questions and want to engage, um, you know, sending an email is a great way to start that conversation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really nice. It's really nice when we get emails and, uh, it's happened uh, several times in the past, and, and this was, I think, the first one that sort of uh, led to a conversation and discussion and getting to know each other and, and uh, uh, sharing some of our interest uh, with each other. What's new with the boat? Yeah, the boat. Yeah, yeah so Paradox is uh, all set for the winter. Uh, I was out uh, uh, two weeks ago, right after Thanksgiving, uh, we went out and uh, Rhode Island, 
and I got the canvas cover on her. It has a, a big three-piece cover uh, that I put on it for the winter. Um, most boats get shrink-wrapped, which is uh, this type of plastic that gets put on a boat uh, on the deck and draped over the deck like a tent, and it's heat-shrinkable plastic, so they can shrink it really tight. Uh, but I was fortunate that this boat has a canvas cover that the previous owner uh, had purchased. Uh, so put that on. Boy, I tell you, it was cold. <laughs> uh, I think I waited a little bit too long to put uh, in the season here to get her covered up because uh, uh, it was windy and cold. And, and uh, this canvas cover is uh, wrestling with it. Even two of us, Andy was helping me. And uh, it, was, it was a challenge. And the other thing that's going on is um, the the bottom of the boat is due for a paint job and uh you know what happens with boats is uh you keep applying more and more paint and after a while you sort of have to strip the paint off and and start back fresh again and uh, so the way they do that is with something called the media blasting so it's like a sand blaster but it, it doesn't blast out sand it it's sand it, it blasts out baking soda or some other you know a little bit of a softer abrasive and uh, so I had the bottom of the boat media blasted and um, the yard was able to put on one coat of uh, what's called a barrier coat, which is a two-part epoxy paint onto the hull. So that'll seal it up for the winter and because um, that needs a warm temperature to uh, be able to cure. So we'll put on two more coats in the spring and then some bottom paint and uh, we should be ready and all good for a long period of time then uh, after that. So that's the stuff going on with the boat. But yeah, it's put away and a little sad. You know, we had a great first season. And, uh, but, uh, you know, that, I guess, I think putting it away also, at least the way my brain works, gets me all juiced up about next spring. You know, if it, if I had the boat 12 months a year, I'd probably, probably feel a little bit different about it. Uh, but this way, I, I always get excited about it and miss it and then uh, want want to get engaged with it in the spring. I like your philosophy on this, Bela. So I'm really actually excited about this week's guest, Bela. I know it's a former guest, and I enjoyed his last appearance. Give us the overview. Yeah, so this week's guest is uh, Joe Hagen. Uh, this is Joe's second appearance on the podcast. Uh, he was uh, on the podcast in episode 11. And uh, he's a longtime sailor, and he recently retired from the corporate life, and he started a business. He started Offshore Adventure Sailing. And Offshore Adventure Sailing um, is a business uh, where Joe takes people out on multiple-day ocean passages. And that's what episode 11 was all about with Joe. We talked about his business, sort of the types of trips he takes, uh, the types of people that uh, join him on those adventures. And uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, please give episode 11 a listen. In this episode, uh, Joe and I discuss... a his trip and his adventures uh, on the East Coast this summer. So this summer was the first time that Joe started in Florida and sailed all the way up to Maine. And uh, he did portions of that trip um, with his uh, wife, and he did other portions of that trip with uh, some paying customers, uh, people who wanted to experience sort of ocean passages. And uh, so it was really good. Uh, and, and, you know, it's quite a long trip from Florida to Maine. And uh, so we had a great conversation, and it was a long conversation, so I broke it into two parts. And this is part one. Part two uh, will be released uh, in about two weeks from uh, when this podcast is released. So uh, hopefully uh, you can listen to both of them. 
Sounds great, Bela. Let's jump right into the discussion with Joe Hagan. Hello, folks, and welcome to Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States. My guest today is Joe Hagan, who runs Offshore Adventure Sailing. Uh, Joe was a guest back in episode 12, uh, where he talked about his business and how he takes individuals off in his boat uh, to various different adventures and very, uh, along the East Coast of the United States. And this past summer, uh, he sailed up the East Coast of the United States, all the way from Florida up to Maine, and then back down again. So I thought that would be a great conversation to have, to see how that uh, his summer adventure went. And uh, I'm sure he's got some good stories. So welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Bella. It's good to see you again. Yeah, same here. So how you doing? I, you know, life's, life's good. It's, I last spoke to you, I think it was New Year's Eve. And uh, so, you know, almost a year has gone by. Now it's yeah. uh, nearly Thanksgiving Eve. So, <laughs> yeah, we get together on holidays. <laughs> yeah, <it seems> like. <laughs> yeah. But uh, here we are, like you said, almost a year later. Uh, COVID is still going on. Yeah. Where you are, it's hot and heavy, or maybe it's cooled off a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you, this summer, the sailing season was good for me up in Narragansett Bay and, and Long Island Sound and stuff. Outstanding. I, uh, I've followed along a little bit, uh, the Adventures of Paradox, and uh, it sounds like you're having fun. Yeah, we sure are. And uh, the boat's on the hard right now. So had it pulled uh, probably three weeks ago now. And uh, I have one more trip to uh, go out there, and that'll be after Thanksgiving here, the week after Thanksgiving, heading out for a few days to get the boat covered and uh, all tucked away for the winter. So the yeah. boat actually has a full canvas cover that nice. uh, I will uh, I will put on it. And uh, so, yeah, so then we just wait till uh, April when things get warm again. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah, mine's on the hard also, so... It's that time of year, I guess. Yeah. For some. Yeah. Remind me where, where your boat is and where you are. So um, my boat, La Peregrina, is in uh, Charleston at a boatyard there. And I'm having a bit of a little refit done. So um, I'm excited about it, but also chomping at the bit to go sailing. And it's only been two weeks since I got off the boat. And I'm already dreaming about going again. Yeah, yeah. If I remember correctly, Charleston is where the mega dock is. Is that right? You know, I don't know Charleston that well, and I that doesn't really mean anything to me. Oh, okay. I think it's there, the, there is a Charleston uh, city boatyard has a big, big dock, and perhaps that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent a couple of days there a number of years ago, coming up from Florida, and. Uh, I bought a I bought a T-shirt and on the back of it it says you know Mega Dock because I think it's the longest dock yes uh, in the East Coast or something and yeah. it certainly is a Mega Dock yeah yeah that sounds right and uh, so the boats there but and where were you if I remember so name? I live in Nashville hi yeah hey so I'm well, home. what are you, what are you, what are you having done to the boat well um, 
it's, you know, the boat has been in service for a year. We launched it October 30th of last year and hauled it out, I think, on the 7th of November. So it was over 12 months of more or less constant use. Um, and I'm anxious to go uh, sailing in the spring, and I don't want to have any limitations. So I'm doing some rather biggish things. I'm having the motor overhauled. I'm upgrading the electronics, replacing the uh, life raft with a, a new model. Uh, bottom job, of course, and about a hundred other smaller projects. Yeah, and remind our listeners uh, uh, the type of vessel and the size and stuff. Yeah, so it's a Cabo Rico 34. It's a fairly small boat, but it's a solid, uh, uh, heavy full keeled boat and i'm emotionally attached yeah, well, yeah it is a, it is amazing how we all sort of get emotionally attached to our boats isn't it yeah no kidding yeah. all right so tell us about tell us about your summer where did it start and just kind of take us through it yeah you know so this season has sort of been turned upside down for us because we normally sail in the winter months, we normally head out uh, in late October or early November and sail until Memorial Day. Um, usually going, you know, to the Caribbean and Bahamas. We sail the tropics typically. Um, but with COVID, we that was really problematic. Just getting in over internet through international borders yeah. was a, a problem yeah staying, so we staying in one country to, makes a lot of sense uh, right now yeah, doesn't it <laughs> exactly and you know i had never sailed north of the chesapeake so this was an opportunity to see new territory and uh in some respects get out of our comfort zone and it, it's been great we um like I said, we launched the boat last October. We spent uh, the remainder of 2020 all around southwest Florida, so as far north as Charlotte Harbor, um, which is just north of Fort Myers, um, out to the Dry Tortugas, uh, the Everglades, the southern Florida Keys, Key West, Marathon, Boot Key Harbor, that sort of area. And we, um, so I sort of think about our East Coast travels as uh, stretching from the lighthouse on Loggerhead Key and Dry Tortugas to the lighthouse on, uh, I think it's called Head Harbor Light on Campobello Island in New Brunswick. We left uh, the Dry Tortugas in December, spent a couple of months in the Lower Keys as my wife studied for her captain's license, left Florida, um, not left Florida, but left the Keys on the 1st of March, reached Isle of Shoals in Maine on the 1st of June, and then spent all of June, July, August, and half of September in Maine before 
sort of getting speeded up again and moving south, leaving um, Maine in mid-September and arriving Charleston in early November. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's an amazing variety of uh, of terrain and tides and shoreline and everything. It's just it's just remarkable, right? The variety that you get. It, that is that's exactly right. I mean, the diversity, the difference in I mean, the water's different. The weather's different. I, the the bottom of the sea is different. I mean, everything's different. It And it's it's all fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what part of this did you take? Uh, did you take uh, customers with clients? I think I did about uh, eight charters over the course of the year, or uh, nine, maybe 10, I don't know. Um, so I did trips, uh, a couple of trips out to the Dry Tortugas. I did a trip, uh, my wife and I were alone on the boat from the Florida Keys up to Charleston, and then had clients from Charleston to Newport. My wife did from Newport to Campobello Island and back to uh, Bar Harbor, Maine. And then again had clients from Bar Harbor down to Port Jefferson mm-hmm. in Long Island Sound. Yeah. She joined me for the trip through the East River and around Sandy Hook and up the Delaware Bay and through the C&D Canal and back down to uh, the southern Chesapeake, yeah. to Norfolk. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, let's just work our way up the East Coast here. So let, let's talk a little bit about the East Coast of Florida. Uh, sort yeah. of what, what's the highlights? What's are the, what are the must-stop places? You know, what are the memorable moments for you on that part, at that leg of this journey? Yeah, I mean that's familiar territory to me that I've I've sailed many times, and so um, you know there wasn't the uh, amazement and wonder that there was further north, just because it was familiar, right? Um, we love sailing offshore, and so we left um, Boot Key Harbor and sailed north up past Miami. I remember sailing past Miami in the middle of the night and, you know, all that big city lights. And we came in, I think, at um, Lake Worth at Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, and um, took the ICW because of weather. It was still early in the year. It was early March and cold fronts come through and sailing offshore against the cold front is not pleasant and really not even safe. So we took the ICW as far as Ponce Inlet, which is up near uh, New Smyrna Beach, and then went outside again all the way to Charleston. No, I'm sorry. We went in at um, Brunswick, Mm -hmm. uh, Brunswick, Georgia, and in fact kept the boat there for a couple of weeks. Went down to Cumberland Island in South Georgia. That's a that's a great place. Absolutely wonderful place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, we were heading north quickly, and I tell you one thing. 
about this whole trip going north is that we were two weeks too early. We were always getting the last winter storm <laughs> all the way up. Yeah. And it was always cold and miserable. Uh, but we had a ball anyway, yeah. of course. You know, one of the yeah. one of the great things that I find about, you know, from Florida <clears throat> all the way up to uh, the Chesapeake is that you do have this option of going the ICW or going outside. Yeah. And, right. And oftentimes, as you guys did, you mix it up depending upon yeah. weather, depending upon what you want to see. And I, I can't think of many other places where you sort of have that option of, You're right. you know, you can go outside or you can go inside. And, uh, right. and, and, and here again, the, the variety of wildlife and things that you see, the types of houses you see, the types of boats you see, and commercial fisheries, right. et cetera, is just remarkable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And this was a this was a little bit of an unusual year. Not, I mean, I guess it's all COVID related, but um, you did not have, you know, like us, people were not going to the Bahamas in the numbers that typically do so many people were cruising up and down the east coast that might otherwise have headed out to the caribbean um the canadians were not around um and you usually see a lot of boats from canada heading south um or well or north in the early in the spring so that was unusual um yeah, but it it was all great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. We got Florida, then we go to Georgia, then South Carolina, North Carolina. So what were? Did you go outside, inside um, through that stretch? So we uh, um, we left Brunswick and sailed offshore up to Charleston, um, which was our my first encounter this year with heavy fog. Mm. And it was a precursor of what I was going to get a lot more of <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we got to uh, Charleston, um, and from there went, I had clients. So we went, um, because of weather, we went up the ICW as far as Winya Bay, which is only about a, a good long days trip up the ICW and from there went offshore up to Cape Lookout, Beaufort, North Carolina, Cape Lookout. I had never been there. What a great, have you ever been there? It's have, fantastic. I, I, no, I have not. Nope. It's just such a, just such a wonderful spot. So that was a highlight going up to Cape Lookout spent, I think we spent a couple of nights at anchor there. And before heading in to Beaufort, which is a half day sail away. Yeah. You know, I, I recall now that you were talking about fog, I recall my first experience with fog. We were coming up from Cape May, uh, going up to Sandy Hook. So yeah. sailing up the, you know, the, the coast of uh, New Jersey. And it's an overnight sail. And I remember I was on watch. And I don't know, we were who knows what, you know, five to 10 miles offshore. And you can see the lights of New Jersey and we're sa I'm sailing along. Other folks are sleeping. And all of a sudden I noticed the lights disappeared. I, I couldn't see any lights on shore anymore. And I go, that's really strange. I mean, oh, maybe it's a swampy part of New Jersey or something, <laughs> you yeah. know? 
And I, I, but it just bothered me because it was like, this doesn't make sense. And, and I, and I got out my, my big flashlight and I just kind of shined it out into the, the distance and it was white. <laughs> yep. It was yeah. all mist and white. And I go, Uh Oh, <laughs> we're in yeah. the fog. That's why everything disappeared. Cause it was, it was a no moon night. So it wasn't like the stars, you know, it was a, a cloudy, it was overcast. So there's no stars. There's no moon. So it, it was just the, the, the micro environment remained the same. And, yeah. uh, I didn't, I didn't feel any fog. I didn't see any fog, but then I was, Oh, so that was sort of like a, a, and then, you know, half an hour later we popped out of it and it was, right. it was, it was all good. And it was, yeah, but that first time you're encompassed, you're surrounded by fog is, is just a little bit spooky and scary. Uh, yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it was being at night, it wasn't disorienting, be, disorienting because I wasn't sort of depending upon a lot of landmarks anyway you know, right. or the sun or, or the horizon. Cause it was one of those really dark nights, but it was still sort of like, Oh, now people don't see our lights. <laughs> you know, I don't see other people's lights. And at this point in time, the boat I was on did not have AIS. So, yeah. you know, I was like, it just, just made, made us all nervous, but yeah. So yeah. fog is it. So you don't get fog down South, huh? Well, I mean, we'll have it early in the morning. Um, but, not, not really in the salty water that, you know, I like to sail in. Yeah. The, the fog is typically inland on lakes and rivers and yeah. Yeah. We don't have much fog. I, I, for years I kept my boat in New Orleans and Lake Pontchartrain would fog up sometimes. Um, but years of sailing the tropics, we just didn't deal with fog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Cape Lookout, and then you head north up. Uh, did you go up the uh, up the Chesapeake and the DNO Canal, or uh, did you uh, go just go a straight yeah, shot? We went. We we took the ICW from Beaufort up to Norfolk. Yeah. Um, because there was a north, you know, Another a pretty storm. strong north wind going off of Cape Hatteras. It just wasn't right. Although I was really jonesing to get out there, um, but we took. The ICW to Norfolk and then sailed uh, up to Annapolis. Uh, just a you know just an overnight sail. Yeah. Um, just you know uh, I think it was about a I don't know 20, thirty hour trip or something like that, uh, which was great fun. And um, yeah, so I had a crew change there. My wife came up for a little while, and uh, we sort of sailed down the Chesapeake. Uh, and then I had um, crew join me again in Norfolk, and we sailed this time offshore, straight up to Newport. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it was a great trip. The weather was wonderful. We stopped at Block Island, which was a new place for me. We came into Narragansett Bay, where I had never sailed before. We uh, because we were ahead of schedule and had time, we spent a couple of days exploring Narragansett Bay. And I, I remember we spent a night at Dutch Harbor, which is yep. just on the other side of the bridge from Newport. And then went up to, uh, I think it's called Prudence Island, maybe. Yep. Prudence Island, yep. Yeah, went up there and uh, anchored and walked around that little island, which was great fun. And... Uh, and then went to Newport, where my wife joined me again. And um, 
so along the way here, you know, I, I was off the boat occasionally. I'd take like a week, a week to go home and, uh, you know, get a vaccine or whatever I needed to do, pay my taxes, you know, yep. file my taxes, yep. <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but yeah, Mary Beth and I left Newport in late May and explored uh, Buzzards Bay and the Elizabeth Islands, Cuddy Honk. We went, spent a night in New Bedford, Massachusetts, um, Hadley Harbor, um, went through the C&D Canal, went, not C&D, the Cape Cod Cape Canal. Cod, yep, Cape Cod Canal, yep. Went up to uh, P-Town, uh, which was fun, and then sailed up to Gloucester. Mm-hmm. We got to Gloucester on Memorial Day weekend. Just in time for four days of pouring, miserable, <laughs> rainy weather. <laughs> yeah. But despite that, we had a good time. And uh, it was, you know, Gloucester's a really great town. Have you, have you spent time there? I've, I've been there as a land-based tourist, but uh, not yeah. not as a water-based tourist. Well, you know, they've got this, uh, in the Inner Harbor, they've got moorings, and you can stay on a mooring, and they've got a launch service that comes and picks you up and runs you back and forth. So you don't even have to drop your dinghy down. You can just step out off your boat. Somebody picks you up, takes you to, to the dock, you can walk around town. There's some great restaurants. There's that uh, uh, Crow's Nest bar is mm-hmm. there, yeah. which is which is uh, famous because it was the meeting place for the guys on um, the Perfect Storm. What was the name of that boat? The uh, Andrea Gale, yes. I think. Yeah, that was lost. Um, so that that was like a cultural experience right there. <laughs> you know, there's there's a, a few uh, places I've been to. Uh, Port Washington is one that comes to mind. Uh, that's on the north shore of Long Island Sound, right. sort of at the western end. Just be, it's like a great stopping point if you're going through the, the East River and through New York's New York Harbor and stuff. And that's another one of these places where they have moorings, they have a launch yeah. service, and as a matter of fact. The first two nights, the moorings are free, <laughs> so you can stay oh. there for free, uh, and they charge you for the launch service. <laughs> but if yeah. you stay longer than two nights, then I think the moorings are like twenty or thirty bucks a night. But then the launch service is free. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and you know it's just it makes it so convenient. And and it does. Uh, it's it th- those places are gems that that sort of cater to sailors or mo- boaters i should say not just sailors but boaters and make right. it really easy to get on shore and you know spend your money which is good they figured it of out it, it works for the sure. economy yeah right right yeah that was uh that was a difference as you as you uh, you know as you go further north up the east coast you start you know the the infrastructure supporting cruising sort of changes yeah and that's a good example of it yeah yeah so give, given COVID and, you know, earlier you made the comment, a lot of people were cruising locally because they, they yeah. weren't, they weren't going to the islands. They weren't trying to get in and out of other countries. 
Uh, did you find Anchorage's uh, crowded? Did you have trouble getting a mooring? You know, did you have to like all, you know, sometimes you go, I, I've, I've been to places in, in Narragansett Bay where I plan to stay here, but I get there and the Anchorage is full. So I have to, I, I always had to have a plan B. Yeah. Not, not because of weather, <laughs> but because right. of space. Did you find, you know, I, 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 we didn't have any trouble. We, um, I remember Hadley Harbor. It was kind of full. That's up in the Elizabeth Islands. Um, it was kind of full, but there was room for us to anchor. It wasn't much trouble. I don't have a perspective on what a normal year is. Uh, so I can't really tell you if it was more crowded or less crowded than, you know, normal, but it was certainly no problem for yeah. us. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut it here and make uh, this part, part one. And uh, next, uh, Mike and I will make a few comments about what Joe said, and then uh, keep on the lookout for part two, which will be out shortly. Thanks. Well, Bela, that really was a great conversation. Great stories. The travel log was amazing. Um, I love the aspect that even with you two being kind of veteran sailors, certainly compared to me, right, that you still have this passion for discovery and learning, right, new things. Um, how much of the excitement of sailing for you is discovery and learning? Boy, I, I would say the uh, excitement of life for me <laughs> is discovery and learning, right? It, it, it transcends my whole life, not just sailing. Uh, and it's reflected in everything I do. Uh, I, I often have said, you know, I really like doing something the first time. Uh, the second time is still a fair amount of fun. But when it's the fourth and fifth time and it's the same, I start getting bored. Um, so that to me is the real one of the real uh, things that draw me into sailing is because even though, you know, every day to maybe the unobserved seems the same, uh, it's very different. Uh, the winds are different. The water's different. Uh, the way the boats, um, you know, the tides are different. What you see is different. And, and to me, that's the, that's the exciting part. And, and the other interesting thing about sailing, and I've drawn this analogy uh, numerous times, um, the, um, there's a, between, be, the, the analogy between fly fishing, which you know I love to do, and sailing, is that in a half hour, I can have you sailing a boat or I can have you fly fishing. You know, both of those endeavors look harder than they actually are. Um, so in a half hour, I can get you to sail a boat. In a half hour, I can get you to cast a fly rod. But if you want, you can spend the rest of your life trying to understand the subtleties of those two endeavors. And there's probably a lot of things like that in the world, right? But if you want, you can spend your whole life trying to figure out how to fine-tune your boat so it goes you know, perfectly through the water or how to really, you know, cast your fly rod and pick out the right fly for the conditions, et cetera. So to me, that's one of the sort of interesting, exciting things for us. And I think that came out in Joe as well, right? I mean, he's, he's really excited about this notion of, you know, going out and uh, just experiencing a new adventure. And I'll tell you, every time's a new adventure. Um, you know, I used to get bored commuting back and forth to work because that, that felt the same every day. It was just like, where's the traffic jam going to be? It's not whether there's going to be a traffic jam or not. The only variable was where the traffic jam was going to be. But in sailing, and it's, it's different, boy. It's, it's, really, it's really neat. It's one of the exciting things for me, for sure. 
Cool. I love it. Another question I had is, I mean, two, you're two guys that are, you know, passionate about sailing and that really came through. Um, what do you see are the key differences between sailing for pleasure, which is what you do versus sailing as a business, which is part of what Joe does? You know, I'll, I'll break that down even a little bit refiner and, and try to draw an analogy here. I myself have noticed a difference, a significant difference between being crew on a boat and being the captain of the boat. So when I've been on other people's boats, I don't worry about stuff that's going on, right? I, I don't worry much about, I mean, I sort of pay attention to make sure we're not going to get in trouble and I just sort of do a sanity check on things. But I, I don't really, you know, worry about the various different aspects of being responsible for everyone on the boat and the boat itself. Um, but when I'm captain of the boat or I'm on my own boat, boy, the, that responsibility is front and center. You know, when I go out with my wife or I go out with my kids and my grandkids, boy, I'm, there's a lot of other stuff rolling around in my brain because I'm responsible for everyone on that boat and I'm responsible for the boat. And I think the same, it, it probably goes up a couple orders of magnitude when you have paying customers on the boat, right? Or you, you have clients because because now you're responsible for them as well. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's a, that's a significant responsibility and they're paying you for the experience. So you want them to have a good time. So you're trying to tailor the experience to match sort of their expectations and their desires. Uh, you know, so there's a fair amount of, sort of customer service, customer engagement and relationships involved there in, in trying. And, and they're with you for 24 hours a day, you know, for three or four days in a row in a small confined space. So it, it's, it's, you know, there's this interesting, I think, dynamic that goes on there. That's probably much more challenging to manage than the actual sailing trip itself, you, you, you know? And, and the other totally. interesting thing is when you're sailing for pleasure, I'm not on a schedule, right? If, if, if I make it a certain distance, I make it a certain distance. But if you, have, if you have people you're taking out and they arrive on a certain day and they're expected to be dropped off at some place a certain day because they have airplane reservations to fly home or they have people meeting them or whatever, now all of a sudden you sort of have scheduling constraints. So that, I think, adds an other degree of complexity to it. Because there's certain days when I'd rather not go sailing. I'd rather be sitting at anchor, either mm -hmm. you know because there's not enough wind or there's way too much wind. Uh, so I think it's it's adds several degrees of complexity uh, to the equation that I, that I think are interesting. And uh, you know, the, the, Joe Joe enjoys that and he likes dealing with that. And I think that's part of part of the challenge for him. The, you know, and it is, it's the customer focused mentality. I think some people are focused on that um, and they love that, right? They, we, you know, we've talked in our, in our world we, dealing with entrepreneurs, right? That some people just love customer service. Um, but yeah, for me, that would be a little bit tough, but cool. Great stories. And I love the details of the various ports and bridges and docks and restaurants and all kinds of cool stuff, which is neat. So I'm really looking forward to hear in part two and hearing the rest of the trip, right? So absolutely, absolutely. No, it was good. Yeah, let's wrap it up, um, listeners. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. We hope you found the conversation with Joe Hagen interesting and thought provoking, just like we did. 
As always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, um, or you, like we said at the top of the of the podcast, um, have some questions for Bela or I, uh, please get in touch with us. We're happy to hear from you. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoy the podcast, hit that follow button in your favorite podcasting application. And if you know of someone who'd make a good guest on the show, let us know. We'd love to have them uh, be a guest and uh, share their experiences uh, with our listeners. So uh, it's getting cold now and uh, the boat's put away, but I'm looking forward to next spring. And so until next time, signing off from cold, snowy upstate New York. See you all soon. Sounds great, Bela. And from over here in Germany where there's no snow and I'm just seeing the sun is about to go down here at about 3.30 in the afternoon, but uh, at least I see some blue sky out my window. From over here in Münster, Germany, Auf Wiedersehen. See you next time. <laughs>